Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams And this is the Pound for Pound Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. See, I'd have gone differently there now. You know, Austin, we do a little fun thing where Eben comes up with that little teaser for what's about to come. And knowing what you market, I would have said, get, you know, you are ready for a sports business experience like no other. (laughs) See, you're, uh, Austin, see, you don't even have to use words. What you just said is, Scott, that is so much smarter and better than what Eben came up with. Am I right? Yeah, I got the second best one. Silver medal. It seemed like he just put that together right before the podcast. He's like, ah, who? Uh, sure, we'll use pound for pound. We're going, we're going with the nickname, yeah. But experience <laughs> also works. Thank you. Well, if you haven't caught on, we're chatting with Austin Eckler, San Diego Chargers. Uh, Super oh, Bowl week. Oh, then he just dropped the ball. I dropped many oh. balls. Go ahead. What ball did I drop? Uh, well, I think this is my sixth year playing in L.A. now. Oh, I said that San Diego is, Chargers. That oh, is amazing. You know who does that, though? You know who does that? Who does that? Who who does those things? Old people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old people do that. Not only is it just like old man memory, but to me, I still think of a soft spot for the San Diego Chargers. You know, it, Dan Fouts was the man. <laughs> was was he right? Yeah. Like, there, there's a new era right that is upon us, and we yes. have to give right. We definitely have to play respect to the to the past era, but you know, we have to. Uh, you know, talk to the current era because that's where we're at right now. Well, what I love about that segue, though, and, I, you know, me being, you know how people get embarrassed if they're wrong? Yeah, I effed up. It happens. Old man. I, I got that bounding <laughs> around my head. It's okay. But it's a new era for professional athletes. And I think you're sort of now cutting edge uh, pro athlete where you understand I'm the product. I market myself. There's more to me than just football player. I know there's a big market for things that I do off the field. And you're taking advantage of that. I'm just curious for your thoughts of if you speak to older players or just sort of what you know and what you've seen, the difference between, and I don't even think we have to go back that far, but the avenues that are available to professional athletes now and the NFL in particular. Yeah, I think the the main thing is having some awareness that there's more value packaged into your performance on the field than just the actual play, right? People are interested in you because you play football and then they're interested in what you're interested in too, right? There's some people that are going to be interested in whatever it is that you're interested in. And so they want to hear advice of how you're, you know, you know, whether it's gaming, whether it's workouts like me, um, it's like 
I've started to do the more fan engagement. And so really tapping into just different avenues of value that you have in your life um, that also people are, other, are interested as well. And then that also allows you to create a community around that. And then you can, you know, you know, eventually monetize it with brand deals or yourself. Um, and so really it's just the awareness of information um, that we've come to have nowadays with, you know, social media and all that. And now, though, to act on the awareness, that's good. Number one, you have to have the awareness. However, we live in a time, a technological time, where you have the ability to be a broadcaster. You don't need ESPN to come to your house or to say, hey, will you join us? You don't need sports radio to say, hey, we'll have you on at 530 tonight. You have the ability, a direct-to-consumer ability, to be, for lack of a better uh, a word here, your own one-man broadcast station. You have that ability. So to marriage the, the knowledge of it exists, the ability to do, that's where you get the real package. This is where the value creation comes from. Right. And then I'll add on to that as well, because you can still tap into an ESPN, an NFL network, your own podcast, to a Twitch podcast, to a brand deal, all doing the same content, right? Um, and so you can use that content and build out multiple value streams from it. Um, and so that's how you start to leverage yourself and then spread yourself out and grow a community and grow yourself brand. We've talked about this on the show a few times, but I don't know if you're a big NBA fan or not, Austin, but when the Milwaukee Bucks won the, won the NBA title a few years ago, the most compelling piece of post-championship content was Giannis Antetokounmpo on his own Instagram channel, celebrating with his brother, singing and dancing the next day and in line at the fast food restaurant, ordering with the trophy in the, in the front seat. And in my mind that, that, that should terrify in some ways, the kind of the legacy media brands, because it, it, it shows, I think the power of the athlete himself or herself and, and, and how much is really in, in your court or your, your field in, in addition to what, what, what the legacy companies have done. I'm curious because, because we can get into experience and the, and, and the platform that you're starting, but you do Twitch. I know you're on a lot of different social media. What works best for you in terms of all the things you're talking about, about getting direct to your fans, which platforms are the most effective for you and why? Ooh, I think the ecosystem is important having multiple ways because for me, I would say Instagram is definitely the biggest, I guess, advertiser of myself as far as what I have going on. I'm doing Instagram, Twitter posts. Um, but as far as like direct, you know, engagement experience, my app is the most direct you can get. But then if you want like a more of a passive um, way where you can kind of chat and kind of hang out with me live in real time, right? Twitch is the way to go. If you want a more informative kind of sit back a little bit longer form, maybe hear about some football, hear about what I've going on, you know, my podcast, the Eckler's, Eckler's Edge is more of a way to go. Um, and then I have a lot of different um, types of interviews like this, you know, where I can just share the story and, you know, people, will, I do a newsletter where I put all my media places together and you can get on the newsletter and go back and listen to all my interviews and things like that. So I have this entire ecosystem so I can tap into other people's interests because we all have different interests and all have different times and, and things that we like. So I like to keep an entire ecosystem, which allows me to grow the brand. And like I said, like you'll hear the common theme, really trying to leverage, you know, the same content, but in different types of ways. I, I, I'm curious when kind of if you've been thinking about this your whole career, if it's something that someone kind of taught you, if it's something that you just observed. I read at one point that I think one of your early game checks, you you bought $10,000 worth of gaming and, and broadcasting equipment to to get your Twitch stream off the ground. So clearly it was something you've been thinking about for a while. But but walk us through kind of how you got to this mindset that you're in right now. 
Yeah. Um, really, it's been a slow, a slow build for myself. Um, I went to school for business. I never thought I was going to be playing in the NFL. And, you know, I thought I was going to go into business, start house hacking, start building, you know, some some mon- monetary value that way and get myself on my feet and then see what I wanted to do after that. Um, and so came to the NFL, really got my my entrepreneurial side jump started with capital and connections and then really started to have people tap into my my story and find value within that. And so I started to slowly understand that people wanted me to try this. And then I was like, oh, let me try that and had some success. And then I continued to do that same method over and over again and have continued to expand and build out the ecosystem. I, normally, I just jump in and interrupt, but I was curious where you're going there. I wanted, to, I wanted to let you finish that thought. But I don't want to just brush over when you said, well, with capital and connections. Like, that's an important part of the process here. And you know, we, we do have quite a few business folks listening. Can you please uh, explain? expand upon what does that mean a capital and connections can mean mom and dad let me ten thousand dollars and my next door neighbor worked at the little radio station or it can be i'm an nfl player so roger goodell hooked me up with jimmy pataro what what was (laughs) that capital and connections for you um so the capital was definitely from you know being in an on an nfl team um you know my base salary my rookie year i think it was like four hundred and thirty thousand dollars um, and so also I play in California. So basically half of that's gone. Um, so you're right, right, right. 200 something thousand net. So not bad. Ooh, who's this uh, FICA guy? Who's this FICA? Why is he taking all my money? Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> uh, and so really yeah, capital from my rookie deal. Um, and then really my connection started when I started reaching out to house, uh, house hackers, um, or house, house flippers in Colorado. Um, cause I, like I said, I wanted to get into real estate. And so just because I went the NFL route didn't mean I wanted to get around that. I wanted to go back to it. And I started, I made a connection with um, a house flipper and was buying multifamily houses from him in Colorado. And so that's how my real estate portfolio got started. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Austin, are we going to have to get into 1031 like-kind exchanges on this podcast? Oh, is that where we're going? Crazy. So I'm currently at 107 units um, across Colorado and then Missouri. And so, yeah, we've been 1031 in some of our, some of our units. We have a bunch of equity sitting in some of these houses that we've basically flipped. Um, and now we just got to get rid of them, but get them into, you know, some more lucrative rentals. Okay. But tell me now with the housing market, the way it is, how's your portfolio looking? What's your plan moving forward? Yeah. So basically we did it. We bought a mass foreclosure, built up a bunch of equity once we flipped them and we were 1031 in them. Um, most recently, I say recent, like the few, I don't know, past seven, eight months, uh, we've really slowed down and just been really sitting on our, on our equity for now. Um, and just, we have them all rented out, so it's fine. Oh, all right. So uh, they're being paid down. There you go. Yeah, as long as yeah, they're exactly. occupied. Right. So we're just waiting for opportunity. It's, it's an amazing spot to be in where we are not paying for, for, you know, our, our rentals are still paying for themselves, but at the same time, we're ready to, you know, cash out on our equity and put it into a bigger property and even get a better For, for people who don't understand a 1031 like on exchange, by the way, that just means that when you sell a property, individual 250,000 married, 500,000 of capital gains, you don't pay taxes on if within a certain time period, you roll it into a new property. Correct. There Austin, what, what's the, what got you into that game to start with? Is it just low, relatively low barrier to entry from a, from a capital perspective? What, what made that the kind of the, the initial business venture you wanted to dive into? Yeah, I was, I was really looking into creating different forms of income, right? I wanted different types of ways to monetize my efforts in, in my life. And I felt like real estate was one of those where it was not necessarily passive, but a little bit less lift um, as far as an income stream. And so that's what was intriguing to me about it. And that's still the case today. It definitely is. It's not passive because you still have to, you know, keep up on everything and maintenance and, 
you know, finding deals and things like that. But it's definitely low lift compared to all my other income streams. We had Ndamukong Sue on this show a little while ago, and I, I love telling the story of how he and Warren Buffett got together, which was essentially that that Warren was flipping the ceremonial coin toss at a Nebraska game, and and Ndamukong was on the team and realized no, oh, this guy is this opportunity. This guy is a legend, and 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 yeah, it, it's a good example to me of of an athlete who understood that while he was playing, in this case in college, but it, it applies to the pros as well. That there is an opportunity to meet people for doors to be open for you. Because you are every Sunday starring in the biggest entertainment property in, in America, H- how much do you think of your time as a player as uh, the opportunity to strike while the iron's hot and, and to, to rush through as many of those doors as possible? I mean, this is the probably the most concentrated time of my life where I'm going to have this type of um this type of exposure, this type of uh, marketing around myself. Um, I tell it to players all the time. It's like, look, I use myself as, as an example. I'm like, I am on. I don't know. I'm in hundreds of thousands of leagues out there of fantasy leagues, right? When I'm done playing, I'm not on any, I'm not on any fantasy teams. No one's betting on any, no one's going to bet on me anymore. Right. When I'm not playing, right. All the prop bets and all these bets, all the fantasy shows that are saying my name, all the ESPN things that are saying my name, right. The, the charger fans out there, right. All there's literally hundreds of thousands of fans or maybe not even fans, but people that know who I am because I'm playing in this platform. And so for me to understand that puts me into this hyperdrive mode where it's like, I don't care. I need to take advantage. I need to get my ecosystem going. I need to play as long as I can so I can continue to extract value from this thing in other types of ways until I feel like, okay, I have enough where I can go out and do something on my own and I'm comfortable transitioning into that. So that's what I've been building. I've just been frantically building my teams up around my marketing, around my apps, my foundation, my real estate, everything. And so that's where I'm at right now. I always love to ask athletes what they've tried that didn't work. I'm curious if there's things that you've done that, that you've put a lot of time into or maybe put some money into and realized, you know what, this actually maybe isn't worth my, isn't worth my effort right now and maybe I'll sideline this for now. Yeah, uh, there's been a few things. I had this one, I had a streaming company called Gridiron Gaming Group and there was 10 of us um, and we were streaming. Um, we were doing some bigger events. We actually were crushing it and I realized that there's not a lot of people that can maintain like make maintain like an actual stream. Like streaming is is hardcore. Like it's you tough. guys know you guys make content. Like you know, like this is consistent, like it's a drag. You gotta be committed to this. And so that's why I pivoted Gridiron Gaming Group to experience. And so that was one example. Um, another example was my stream. Um, just going with my stream. I learned firsthand. I was streaming like four days a week for a few hours during the season. It was it, it wasn't it. like I did it for, I did it for a whole year and then I hit a wall. It's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And so now I've pivoted how I do my streams and there are different types that I can actually sustain. Um, so those are two things. All right. We're chatting with Austin Eckler running back for the LA chargers, not the San Diego chargers. Sorry, Dan Fouts. Sorry, Ryan Leaf. Sorry, LaDainian Tomlinson. Um, uh, I've run out of my chargers. Um, Don Coriel, yeah, right. Don Coriel, right. Is that, is that Chargers? There we go. But Austin, do you know if I was a Jewish mother, if I was, I'd be cavelling right now. Do you know what that means? No. <laughs> I, I love to hear an athlete discuss because you hear so much about, oh, athlete went broke. They don't know. They spend, they over to take this thoughtful approach to strike while iron's hot. I'm a brand. This doesn't last forever. I have a long horizon. I make as much now. I mean, it, it, so when someone's cavelling, they're proud. Like, because we preach this for years. Evan and I have been doing this podcast for so many years. And by the way, I, I think it's underreported the number of athletes who do get it, by the way. So I, I'm glad to hear that. But years ago, 
I won't name the player, but a New York Jet running back told me that he was going for his MBA and he was keeping it secret because he did not want the the appearance in the locker room of a bifurcated attention. Like coaches just wanted the football players to focus on football. That is it. You're a problem if you're elsewhere. Has that changed? Because you're being so public with hours and hours on streaming. That means you're not in the film room. That means you're not in the weight room. That means you're not in the rest and recovery. But you don't care. You're going public. So has it changed in the locker room? Or is it just sort of a, I'm having success. So, you know, I guess the coaches are okay with it. Ooh, that's thank a deep question. Thank, I like thank it. You, thank a, you, thank you. That's a good one. I uh, taught you what means to Cavill. So, you know, next time, you know, it's good to you know that one. Um, we'll, we'll work on Mishpucha next week. <laughs> There's been a progression for myself. Um, when I first got into the league, my first... Undrafted, by the way. Undrafted. Yes, undrafted. So, so that, that, that carries a stigma, too, when you're like, yeah, I didn't know if I'd have this. An undrafted player, you better be focused on football. No doubt. No doubt. So my, my first two years, I would say I was 100% just want nothing else mattered to me. I wasn't thinking about real estate. Really. I was thinking about all that. Like I was just solely strictly trying to get myself established in the, in the league. And then after you play two years in the league, you kind of get an understanding of how to be a pro. You start to learn more about your body, how you can get in shape, you know, during the off season. And you just start to understand the system a little bit more. And so that, that I think that opens up or for me anyway, opened up freedom for me to start saying, okay, what else can I put on my plate? Um, that's where that's where streaming and the content creation really started to play a part. How cognizant are you that we all know like the average career is just about three years and you're a running back, you get beat up on almost every play that's run. So how in the back of your mind, is that running all the time? I am an NFL player. I want to do this for as long as I can. However, you know, fact is fact, stats are stats. Yeah. I mean, you know, my career could end at any moment, you know, like nothing's guaranteed um, when it comes to, you know, the, the rolling the dice of, of going through life. And so but my my energy and my my perspective is, you know, why I am going on this path. Like, let me continue to, to kind of steer my ship in, in the parts that I want to. Right. Like I'm not doing everything that I possibly could because that's just not sustainable, but I'm doing the things that I feel like add the most value to my life over time and something that I can feel, I feel like I can build on when I'm done playing, which is super important because when I'm, I know I'm going to be done playing. And so the things that I have, I can keep, I can keep going even when my time's done. And so I think that's important so that I don't have to start over uh, when, when my career is over. Uh, you're focused. And I, I know a former athlete who was fanatically focused on life after, and that was Grant Hill. And Grant used to tell me that when he would go on the road, while the other guys were, they go to lunch, they take a nap, they're watching whatever in the hotel room. Grant would book appointments with the opposing team owners, knowing that creating those relationships while you're an athlete is a whole lot easier than when you're done playing. Just curious if that resonates with you, if you're like, wow, hadn't thought of that, or wow, I got something else to put on my to-do list. Um, yeah, I've never thought about meeting with team owners. Um that's that's unique. Yeah. If you got that personality to go do that, then, you know, you know, power to you. But uh, got yeah, some we tampering all allegations world. alongside those meetings. Yeah, yeah, I've, <laughs> I don't know. There's something strange about that to me where it's like now there's like this whole script narrative out there, you know, <laughs> but people, there's going to be all the conspiracies that are coming out of that. Like, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a lot of drama. <laughs> One of the things that you're, you're, you're obviously doing, Austin, is you're trying to build things that you have equity in. And for a long time for athletes, it was take a paycheck to endorse X or Y product. And, and it was that kind of transactional 
athletes nowadays, a lot of them, yourself included, seem to be kind of moving towards this idea of trying to build something that you are a, a partner in as opposed to a paid spokesman of. Um, yeah, how do you think about, because I'm sure you do a little bit of, of, of the paid spokesman stuff too, how different those opportunities are, which one that you would prefer, how you balance kind of those opportunities, things that you are directly involved in versus things that sometimes pay a nice little price to do to do something a little bit less involved with. Yeah. And this goes back to the ecosystem. I feel like I have like a, like a ecosystem for everything where it's like, you know, I want to be building stuff, but I also want to be investing in some other projects that I think, you know, have some type of potential that are really cool or that maybe I have a good relationship with the person that started it, started it. And I believe in them. Um, and so I have a few of those. Um, I have a few of, um, you know, projects that I'm building myself, like experience the foundation, right. That I'm, I'm building equity in and trying to get an evaluation, you know, bring on some investors in the future, in the future. Um, but just in a position where, you know, you have capital and you have options, right. It's like, okay, how can you diversify yourself? And then also, um, you know, make it interesting for yourself. You get to play the game, right. When you have this capital, it's okay. What do I like? Like, what do I want to be into? Like one of my investments was liquid death. Um, the water company. The water company, yeah. Yeah. And so that's like... I'm, that seems like a bad name for a water company. Oh, I think it's it. a great name so for a water point. company. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's their marketing. They've been able to market around their name, Liquid Death, because it's it's a little edgy, which I have that little edge to me as far as like my personality. And so that was one of those that really aligned and they've been doing really well. Um, and then, yeah, just just other things like, you know, some... some uh, X set. There was this gaming company in Clinton, Clinton Sparks started, um, you know, he's big, he's a producer in the mu- in the music industry. And so I was a big believer in him, got into his company. And so just things like that, where you make these connections. Um, and a lot of times it's not a huge amount of money, but it's, it's, it's really the connection I'm buying into, right? I'm buying into this person as an individual, which is more important than even, I feel like the money even getting, you know, in 10X scene or whatever. It's really just saying, hey, I believe in you um, and in your future. And so that stays around forever. Is there a an athlete or maybe even not an athlete? Are there people whose business portfolios you look up to and, and look at and say, yeah, that, that, I, I'm kind of following that mold. That, that's something that I want to kind of aspire towards. I guess I don't know enough to answer that as far as other people's portfolios. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we had a, a very famous athlete in our office this morning. I'm not going to name who it was. Uh, very interested in the private equity space, household name, all-star in that, that kind of, you know, one name wonder kind of that kind of person. And he kept going back to the notion of, uh, I, I want buy, I want equity, and I want to own a team. Own, it seems like ownership is the new ultimate level of success. Like the, there's rich and there's wealthy. And there's an understanding of the distinction now among pro athletes. What are ultimately your aspirations? It may not be the owner suite, but what's the ultimate goal uh, for you and what you want to do with the portfolio, whatever it is that you create? Um, really just to sustain. Um, it's not really, I mean, I don't have, I don't have like, my vision is, is that it's continuing to be able to, you know, feed itself um, as we continue to go, right? Have some type of income that allows me to come back and continue to invest in other things. But as far as owning a team or anything like that, I think that's one thing that, like, I don't want to get caught up in that because I want to stay focused on making sure that I'm sustaining what I have going on and that I'm still in a place where I love all the things that I'm invested in and what I'm growing in. And if that becomes an option in the future, then absolutely, I might take advantage of that. But really just 
focusing on the now and trying to like focus on where we're going in the direction that we're going now and the efforts that need to be put in now. And then just like my NFL career, not necessarily knowing how far I'm going to go in the NFL, but just focusing on the opportunity at hand that can, you know, give me the next one. Evan, I think I know what maybe he'll have in the future in the portfolio. Was it Jared Allen that raises bulls? Yes. <laughs> right, right. So I know you have an interest in bulls. Maybe maybe you can like the next Inferno or I don't know, give me if you have Liquid Death, give me the name of the bull that you would not want to ride. What's the name of the bull? Let's get your creative side here. What's the name of the Ooh. bull you would not want to ride? <laughs> A name of the bull. Um multiple fracture. I don't know. Yeah, what's the name of the bull you don't want to ride? Skull Stomper. Skull, sto- skull Stomper. Bad. Yeah, I Skull love it. Stomper. I don't want to ride Skull Stomper. <laughs> skull Stomper either. I don't even want to be the clown in the ring. Why don't you tell people why I asked you that question? If it comes out of nowhere, like, why are you talking about bulls? Yeah, because so in, in the rodeo scene, you know, there's the bull riding aspect and all the bulls have like these names and they're usually like, you know, like epic names that are like <laughs> have a lot of weight with them, you know, like the tornado or, you know, like <laughs> there's some, some aspect of their, you know, bucking style, as it's called, is basically part of their name. I, I know you did some bull riding, Austin. What's harder on your body? Eight seconds on a bull or a third and short carry in the National Football League? Oh, well, you can do a lot more third short carry. So over time, I would say those, but a bull riding, you know, incident, if anything happens there is pretty traumatic because that's, you know, a couple thousand pound animal stepping on you or, you know, butting you into the ground. So, um, one's, one's extreme and one is, you know, hits over time that add up could possibly be extreme as well. So I, they're both terrible. <laughs> I imagine that both the chargers and your agent would probably feel some kind of way if you wanted to ride a bull uh, right now. But do you ever, uh, I don't do you Rest- watch the restrictions the in the contract? What do you think the wording is? Remember, remember <laughs> that cave, cave diving was like no spelunking. That was particularly in the con that was written in the contract. I'm guessing <laughs> bull driving's in yours. Hey, do, yeah, do, you, I, do you miss it at all? I believe it's no extreme sports, and I think that would be considered an extreme sport. I think that's Absolutely. probably right. I yeah. actually have a bull story. You'll laugh at this one. Tell you that you think you're doing something great. When I was a columnist years ago, I'm like, I got a great idea. The bulls were coming. You know, PBR was coming to Madison Square Garden. So I'm like, what I'm going to do is be in the shoot right above the bull, and I'm going to like watch all these other guys from that great vantage point, and you know, go see how crazy these people are and just the, the, the injuries that happen. So I write a column about being right above the shoot, right. Same damn week, Rick Riley, who at the time had the back page of Sports Illustrated, was one of the clowns in the ring at the <laughs> same the same day I was there. And I like I come across as the ultimate wimp. I'm like, I'm above the shoot. And I'm like, I got this great column. He's in the ring. I'm like, what an idiot. I look like a total fool. Now I know why he was Rick Riley writing for the back page of Sports Illustrated. It was just right. terrible. I mean, I really, really screwed that up. Let me ask you this. I have an idea. And I say this to Evan all the time. And I think you, you're going to be perfect to let me know if it's a good idea or not. And maybe you'll pursue it. Go ahead. Take it without even without referencing this conversation. I say there's great value and great eyeballs and money to be made on an athlete that stri- live streams his drive to the stadium beforehand, drive home afterwards, hour, hour and a half after the game. The, the, the lead in and the cool down after just sort of life of. I think people are interested in getting closer and closer, not just in the locker room scenes, that, but what is it really like before and after. Would you watch that? He lives it. <laughs> I, lives it. <laughs> I know people would be interested, but I don't know. I think it's a big commitment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge commitment from somebody. Um, I think it's, it's an idea. I don't know if it's a good idea. I don't know if it's a bad idea, though. Just I think it depends on who it is that's actually performing it and the way that they do it as well. 
And, and you you live this right. You were saying you're you're trying to stream four hours a day. It's it's a it's a thing to be on and, and to be on consistently, right? Not in in short little bursts of content, but to be on for for long stretches of time where people, fans, people who are curious about your life are watching. I, I think that people don't realize just how how stre- stressful and difficult that that actually is. And here's the thing, like, this is the reasoning that I'm saying the way I said it, because I'm just thinking of, you know, my scenario and how I would see it, which is obviously very biased. That's why I said it takes the right person. Like for me, I don't want, I don't want anything distracting me on game day. Like don't talk to me. Like I have to go get ready to not get my head taken off on game day. Like these guys are trying to murder me. Right. And I am trying to not get murdered. Like I'm, I, I'm trying to get out and inflict as much uh, English, sheesh, as much damage as I possibly can, right? And keep the ball moving forward. And so, I, like, I don't want to be worried about, like, how my content's doing and stuff like that. And then after the game, I'm usually pretty emotional as far as, like, how my, like, how I'm feeling, even if it's a win or lose. Like, or So I don't want to be, like, too overly excited. And I'm showing that on, you know, um, the stream and I say something I don't mean to or uh, the opposite. What do you make of the way that it seems like some fans perceive athletes who are doing quote unquote, too much on social media as distracting from their plan. I'm thinking of Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Who got a lot of hate when he was struggling on the field from fans who thought that if he just did less TikTok dances or spent less time on, on YouTube live, that, that maybe that would solve the, the, what he was doing on the field. Do you look at that? And, and, and does that kind of want to deter you at all? Does it worry you at all that no, sometimes people kind of twist that, that, that stuff? I think it's I think it's idiotic that that people are like, oh, you shouldn't be doing social media content or you shouldn't be doing this stuff or you shouldn't be posting your workouts. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the opportunity where you have so many people that want to watch you do these types of things and you can build your brand. And if you are like, oh, you shouldn't you don't need to be doing this stuff. Well, if you don't do it and you wait till after you're done playing, guess what? You lost thousands, possibly millions of eyeballs that were going to watch you. So how could you encourage someone or tell someone that if they want to do content that they shouldn't be doing it? And here's the thing. When you do create content, that's the only part of your life that people see, right? So people don't see the work that you're putting in behind the scenes, things like that. So, right. So if they only see you doing TikToks or whatever, you know, that's fine. Um, but just know that you might get some backlash because that's the only part of their life you're seeing. They're seeing, they're not seeing your workouts, things like that. And people are always going to have pin- opinions. There's always going to be keyboard warriors that think this, think that. But really, the main the main goal when you're putting out content is to continue to build the brand. Like I said, so it has some type of longevity of your name. Because unless you're the one of the one percent of the one percenters in the NFL that has this legendary long career, guess what? You're going to be forgotten instantly when you're done. Like you're going to have your little, your little bubble, but it's going to go start going downhill because your relevancy is going to be less and less and less unless you're putting out content that keeps them attracted to your name. All right, Allison, we'll get you out of here with this one. Now, wearing a sports business professor's hat, please finish the sentence. The National Football League blank. The National Football League is probably the biggest opportunity that most of the guys involved in it are going to have in their lifetime. And they better recognize it. <laughs> That's the one sentence. It's right. the biggest opportunity most of us are going to have in our lifetime. Probably all of us. Second to this podcast. Austin Eckler, LA Chargers. <laughs> why the way? LA Chargers. LA Chargers running back. Austin, thanks so much for taking some time. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, boys. Hey, but I got to tell you, I had a blast on that one. I mean, he, he's a guy who understands that that this is an opportunity people are they know him and they want to know more about him because he plays in the nfl he's utilizing that notoriety to make a name for himself build a brand um whatever that means these days 
uh, different things to different people. I love anyone who who uh, loves the uh, the like kind exchange, the ten thirty one. So uh, you know me, I always compare things to real estate. So anytime he brings that in, you know, I, I loved every second of it. I, I think other players ought to listen to what he's got to say. Hey, I was really interested in, in his breakdown of the various different platforms, the, the various ways in which he talks to his fans, right? And I didn't understand or hadn't heard of some of them, but it's, the it's a different vibe on his podcast than it is on Twitch. And it's a different vibe on TikTok than it is on Instagram. And, and each of those platforms is, and he's right, obviously, is, is, is beneficial in specific ways. And knowing which type of content to put on each one of those things, I think, is, is a challenge and something that, that the smart athletes, the smart celebrities are all kind of wading their way through. So really interesting to hear his, uh, his thoughts on that as well, Scott. I agree. Well, loved every second. Anyway, he is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you, Matt. Our digital media editor is Core Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.